Welcome everybody to Catfish Weekly presented by Whiskerware Apparel along with Chuck Davis and I'm Lyle Stokes. Welcome to the show. Chuck, how is Alabama today? Um, we got some snow clouds. I don't think it's going to get uh, sleety down this way, but it's it's probably sleeting on uh, Wheeler right now. But I don't think it's going to get down as far as uh, southeast as my house. I'm not totally sure. I haven't watched the weather good. But <coughs> the weather's coming in. We did a little bit of fishing Saturday um, on Gunnersville. Um, it was the first trip with my new fishing partner for the year. Um, we went out, tried some different things, and seen how we were going to work together, and everything turned out great. So we're excited about it. Awesome, awesome. I can't wait to meet this guy. You've been telling me a lot about him. I'm really excited about it. I think you guys will have something going on. It's going to be somebody to deal with down in your neck of the woods or anywhere else you plan to go, so it looks like a fun time. We uh, we are very happy to have Phil Brown, Brown's Catfishing, with us tonight. And uh, I know, Chuck, that you have a bunch of stuff you want to visit with Phil about. But before we get started, Phil, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I know that you and I uh, are at a lot of the same uh, events throughout the year, and we see each other quite often, but I've got a question I need to ask you before we get started. What is it like to sit in a boat with Josh Mays for eight hours? It, it's it, it's kind of like an eight-hour straight ab workout <laughs> because the whole, the whole time you're just you're laughing so hard. <laughs> because it's just, uh, and it's nonstop from catching oh. fish to everything. <laughs> Josh mate, is a hoot from the first time you meet him till the last time you see him when you say goodbye and you leave Wheeler Lake. He just is a trip now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's truly one of the great guys in the sport, and I'm glad you guys fish a lot together. I know you and him and Jim Gillenwater all fish together quite a bit, and that's that's outstanding, but I just... You know, being in a boat with Josh Mays all day would be like being in the boat with uh, uh, Bill Parfit and Jason Rath. Oh. I just, I can't imagine how much laughing a person would do and still be able to catch fish. Now, now, if you get all those those three guys together in the same area, it's even worse. <laughs> I, I don't think I could get in the boat with all three of them at the same time. <laughs> I think I'd have to pick and choose, but I'm glad that you got Josh get to fish together. He's a really cool guy. All oh, right, yeah. Chuck, take off and see what you can do with him tonight. Oops. You're muted, Chuck. Chuck, we, we usually when we uh, you know get going, we say we're going to have a couple of topics, and after a few minutes, we just get off topic and just start <laughs> talking catfishing. But tonight, tonight we want to focus on uh, winter projects and uh, preparing for the the upcoming seasons. Um, have you did any winter projects this year, or um, anything to your boat, or anything to uh, make changes for this coming year? Well, after. After Wheeler, I backspooled all my reels, my reels, because last year, last year was all new line. I put all new line on, so instead of putting all new line on again this year, I have an open reel that I backspool on. So, like, I mean, I mean, I put on 900 feet of line on each reel. So, I mean, there's there's a good 600 feet that never even sees daylight. So, a lot of times, so I just backspool it and then. That way I use it for two years. And as far as 
everything else goes, I mean, just doing your regular, you know, to your trailer, checking your checking your brakes, your fluid, your, uh, you know, repack. I do a lot of repacking on the bearings because that's that's one thing I hate the most is 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 getting somewhere and then having your your you know your bearings cutting through your you know your drive shaft. I've had that happen to me before. I, it's that that's not fun at all. <laughs> so keeping them checked and keeping them greased and all that. And uh, yep. speaking of that, what do you think about these uh, bearing buddies that you know that come out you know and they're turned blue when you got enough grease? Do you trust that type of thing, or do you would you rather just use the regular type? hubs and check them yourself and have confidence in what you're used to the the bearing buddies that come with the the trailers nowadays they got that uh, it's like a rubbery you know cap that you can pull off I didn't have really too much luck with those so I went and bought the aftermarket bearing buddies with the spring loaded and I'll tell you what I've never had a problem and it, no matter if I'm leaving to go to Red Rock which is 10 miles away from me or going down to Alabama before that boat leaves the driveway. I make sure each bearing buddy is fully loaded with grease. That way we have no issues. So if, if that thing is, if that thing is loaded with grease, it has less chance of getting water in there. And water and bearings is your biggest issue. <laughs> right. Are you the type of guy every time you stop for fuel, take a leak, or you know, get a drink? You're, you're walking back here, putting your hand down on your hubs to see how, see how they yep. feel. Every oh, time. Every time. Every time, and then I, I make sure check make sure the motor's down on the transom saver and everything. Yep. Oh yeah, that's uh, them. Those checks are really important uh, because you you can save a lot of money by catching it, catching it while it's a little warm and you know something hitting right and. You know, you may be a little bit late to where you're going, but it, it's better than not being able to get there at all. Are you guys uh, familiar with a lot of the new trailers having these uh, greaseless bearings or um, sealed bearings? No, I haven't heard of that. Me neither. I've been hearing about those. I, you know, I don't know too much about them yet, but uh, I understand that a lot of the manufacturers are now putting a sealed bearing, two of them per side, just like a wheel bearing. But they are, uh, you don't do anything to them. You just, uh, uh, when they go bad, you replace them. They just press in and out, and you don't have to grease them. So uh, I'm curious to find out if anybody knows anything about those. Hmm. I haven't heard of it. What about uh, the trailer lights? You, you mentioned those. Um, do you have LEDs on your trailer? Yeah, that's, that's the first thing I did. When I when I bought my big easy is I took all the halogens off and switched to all the LED because they don't they just don't get hot like halogens do and you know when going in the water a lot of times before I put my boat in the water I'll unhook the trailer lights and just you know electricity and water doesn't mix either so do, do you still I, do that with the LEDs even though there's not supposed to be any kind of trouble yeah I do it just it it just doesn't hurt you know. Are you still on the the original set that you installed, or have you had to change out any since you bought the LEDs? Uh, I bought the LEDs. Haven't had any issues at all. No trouble. No, no burnout bulbs. Everything works perfect. Yep. I'm on I've, the uh, I'm on the fifth set for the fifth year. Really? Yeah, wow. So I'm getting LEDs this year. I haven't. There you I, go. I, I, use, 
I just go to AutoZone and buy the little, you know, twenty twenty six dollar ones and throw them on, and it that's routine maintenance for me. And matter of fact, this time of year I do it every year, and right now I've got um, this year I've only got one light out, one running light, and I went to try to change it, and it just broke right off. I mean, it's Oops. rusted in, so. I'm planning on trying to find some that's sealed really good. I don't know if they fill them with silicone or what, but I'm really looking forward to not having to mess with any more trailer lights. I know one thing that I did when I got my my LEDs, the 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 side where the license plate is, on the bottom of it, they've got like a clear panel, and it's not sealed at all. It's just bouncing around. Well, I went ahead and sealed that because I figured. You know, the less water gets in there around it, the less problems I'll ever have. And heck, I haven't had any problems with it overheating or anything like that. And it's still, I mean, just it lights the whole road up as you're going down the, the interstate in the middle of the night. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've always heard that, you know, if you can't keep the water out, drill a hole to let the water out. So yep. most of the time that's what I do is just drill a couple holes on the bottom of everything because uh, – you know, might as well be able to drain it straight on out when it fills up. So, but you know, it's just so it's every year the same thing with these regular halogen lights, and you know, it's going to be a, a pretty good investment. You know, and they've gone down a little bit. You know, and that's been a problem over the past five years. Every year you'll see them go down just a little bit. Now they're really affordable, and most of the time, you know, you see them, you know, everywhere you go. So, <coughs> um, well. I mean It'll save you money in the long run too. So, oh, yeah, we, have right we have a question in chat: Is do you wait after a long trip before backing your boat in the water if your bearings are hot? Well, my theory about that is that if them bearings are hot, it's you don't need to be worried about backing in the water. It's too late. If they're hot, <laughs> if that hub's hot, you done got damage. Yeah, you smoked yeah. them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. It's time to start looking for a mechanic around or somewhere to uh, get some bearings and a spindle most of the time. Yeah. Well, I, that's one thing good about, you know, my Big Easy. It's just got a ton of storage. So I've actually taken, you know, I, I've got a set of bearings in my boat all the time, all the tools to replace them. I've got grease and everything. So in case anything does, like that does happen on the side of the road, I can pull over, change the bearing out within 20 minutes and get right back on the road again. Yeah, so, I've, yeah I've seen pictures of guys on the side of the road and their sp spindle totally gone. Uh, yep, totally. Just, just, yeah, ate it completely off. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, and, you know, you don't know it until your tire's passing you on the highway. You know, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's, that's really dangerous too. So you know, you get to talking oh, about a while ago. You guys are talking about stopping it. That every time you stop to check them, them, I lay my hands on them. If they are hot at all, if they are anything more than just mildly warm, I'm ready to pull over and pull them babies apart and find out if they just need grease or if they need bearing. Get it done before you're stranded on the side of the road. Because them old boys that are sitting up there waiting for you to break down, they're going to rape you when they get you into their shop because they know you got to go. There's there's no question about it. If you're stranded on the road, you got to pay whatever they want to get that fixed. And if you got to be towed or something like that, it just makes it that much worse. And something that might cost you 25 or $30 to fix, it costs you several hundred by the time oh, yeah. you get out of there. I, I The one place that it happened to me in the... Uh, 
I think it was Dubuque. Yeah, it was in Dubuque, and I was fortunate. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but uh, they brought us in, and he actually let me work on it inside of his shop. And I, I could be so thankful, and I, I needed the parts. I didn't have nothing for to do the job, so they actually let me borrow their their service truck to go get the bearings. And all he charged me was an hour's worth of labor. And, Can't uh, beat that. Oh, I was very very thankful. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, us guys that fish during the winter time, and uh, you know, we, we may leave in the morning. It may be 20 degrees. We'll go fish all day. By the time we get home, it may have got a little bit above freezing all day, and it's, you know, sub-low temperatures again. Is, is there anything special you like doing to your boat after um, use during the winter time to, you know, keep damage down from frozen water or anything like that in your prop and your tanks and stuff? Well, I, I used to. Uh, take RV antifreeze with me, like every time we went down to Alabama. You know, that's that's my winter fishing. Is when we go to Alabama, or I'm gonna try to scoot down to LOZ here shortly. But I I used to take you know four jugs of RV antifreeze with me in a five gallon bucket with a hose hooked to it with the muffs, and, and uh, I just found out from the uh, dealership there, and I believe it's Keokuk. You might have to. Is it Dave's? Dave, is it Dave's Marine, Lyle? Dave's Marine. Yep. He he. The Bainey. Bainey came over to me at the Winter Blues, and he said, "As long as you tilt that motor down all the way, let it drain out as much as you possibly can, and then you know give it five ten minutes to drain out, and then just turn that motor over for you know maybe five seconds, not not long at all." And that'll clear all the water out of your motor and everything, which I, I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah. He goes, them Mercs, they're, they're good, tough motors. And they, you know, and, and he, he told me to do that. And you know what? Never had never had an issue since. So I've never <laughs> turned mine over. I've always loved it all down, you know, as far as I could go. Yep. But, I, um, that's the way I do it. But if Mike Sabine says that's the way you need to do it, you can take her to the bank because, Oh, Mike, he knows about motors and anything else. He, he He's just oh. the greatest guy that ever was and very helpful and friendly and, and sells a lot of boats. And uh, he mm -hmm. helped us. So we was having issues one time at a tournament the day before a tournament, told us to bring it up there in just a few minutes. He had us going. He's just a heck of a guy. Okay. Is there anything yeah. you like doing to your uh, electrically to your boat, to your uh, you know battery terminals or um, – any kind of connections to your boat to you know yearly to make sure that your boat is ready. Um, I'll just uh, you know I'll take all the cables off the batteries and I'll run that uh, the post cleaner on it, clean it all off. Um, I'll take a wire brush, wire brush all my connectors. Um, that way you have good metal to metal contact. My father-in-law, he, he and my wife, they run that automotive shop. So, if uh, if it comes down to uh, getting anything screwed up on the boat, and you know mechanically wise, you know, then I hear about it from them. So, <laughs> so I got to I got to keep on my toes when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, okay, uh, uh, yeah. the guys that leave their boats outside but winterized uh, and leave their trolling motor batteries in their boat, um, and 
would you recommend them leaving them on a trickle charge all the time or uh, you know just let, let them be and also even though if they say maintenance free after charging them all the time do you recommend people keeping a check on their water and their batteries if there's caps on them where you can check the water yeah I'd, I'd say check on the water at least once a month and put them on the trickle charge uh, that'll just make sure that battery stays charged the whole time uh, from what I was told from the interstate battery dealership is is that when you, when you get a battery and it goes up down up down getting charged and then getting drained low I mean that'll take a life out of the battery just you know a matter of a couple of years I mean and and the batteries I'm running now God they're probably four or five years old and they're still you know still still going good so yeah, <laughs> must I'd be doing something right anyway I had one I came home my, my trolling motor quit acting right about throughout a half a day and usually with with that one I've got the power drive too I can get two full days off of it mm -hmm. uh, if it's not fighting current really hard and through about a, you know all of a sudden I was my trolling motor was on speed seven uh, you know trying to keep up in two mile an hour current and I got home, checked both batteries. One of them was down around nine and a half. The other one was still right at, you know, almost uh, 12. So um, they're right at five years old, both of them. So I guess it's time. And, you know, people say that wintertime kill batteries. Uh, I guess if I just sit around, I don't know. But that seems like every time I have battery trouble, it's, you know, when I go to use my equipment after a long winter, uh, you mm -hmm. know, the batteries, when I start having my battery trouble. Yeah. Um, and even when I use equipment year-round, you know, my, my truck, um, you know, during the winter, that's usually, if I'm going to kill a battery, it's usually in the wintertime when a battery goes out on me. So, yeah. um, you know, batteries are something that break your wallet. So I try to keep them maintained as much as possible um, because they can really put a damper on your budget if you've got something planned and have to end up spending $120 on a battery to go fishing that weekend that you didn't have in your plans. Oh yeah, so, yep. Especially if you go buy three of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's that really hurts. Bad. Yeah, and you, know, and you know, even if you go cheap, you know, tax and all, I don't see how you can get out there for less than a hundred dollars per battery anywhere. Because mm -hmm. that, I mean, they're just they're just so outrageous these days. It's about right. Well, I mean, that, that, that's one thing I haven't seen yet is somebody you know go for is. Is go for a battery sponsor. I mean, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, I, I my father-in-law, he, he does interstate batteries. So I mean, I get, I get all that at cost. And I mean, as long as, and our, our deal is, as long as I do the work, you know, I, I don't get charged for it, which I'm happy for because I'd rather do the work that way. I know it gets, you know, that way I know it gets done and stuff like that. But I mean. It, it probably wouldn't hurt somebody to go after, like, say, Interstate Battery or something like that as a sponsor. You know, start – some of these guys need to start reaching out there and and just taking a taking a shot, you know. You got – you know, that's – you know, you know Steve Douglas, you, he got that chocolate drink this week. So, you know, more people are thinking outside the box instead of mm -hmm. going after the same rod holder guys, the same tackle guys, beating Lyle's door down trying to get a rod sponsor <laughs> from him. Um, you know, these guys can go after Geico, Progressive, um, you know, you got boat insurance companies, uh, battery companies, 
uh, tire companies, um, mm -hmm. you know, towing vehicle companies, just like the bass guys. If you're targeting, uh, you know, people between 25 and 50 years old, mostly males, um, which is that's what's in our sport. Um, you know, anything that targets uh, men through that age group um, will be a good idea to go after them. Uh, right. and I mean, that, that all comes down to getting prepped and ready for, you know, if you go get a tire sponsor, boom, there's your trailer tires and for your vehicle as well. Right. Um, you know, your batteries for all your, your truck, your boat, everything. I mean, all that, every little bit helps. And, you know, all you're doing is offering advertising for them, so. Oh yeah, and especially you know if it's a home if it's a home lake for you or a tournament, and you know like the you know Aaron Wheatley at Monsters Ohio, he had that deal with the marina up across the river, and uh, we we took a a boat up there, and I mean they were very busy getting cat fishermen ready, uh, guys boats going down pre fishing, and you know Aaron sponsors up there just taking care of every one of them in and out in and out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that that's what it's all about. Get these get these sponsors that's really gonna get involved and, and that can really put something on the table. And um, mm -hmm. that's the ones that pay off. Do they get their return of, uh, on investment and um, you know, get a great name to go along with it. Well, uh, there's something else about that. I know Phil goes down to Wheeler a lot. You know, so if Daniel has somebody that, that like Aaron's got that will work on boats and stuff. As many times as Phil goes to, to Wheeler in a year's time, if he runs into boat problems and he goes to that guy one time, he's going to tell everybody that has boat problems, this is the guy to take it to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, without a doubt. You know, it, it's the same way with, with Aaron. It, it, Chuck, if anybody contacts Chuck about where you get your boat fixed down there in, in Owensboro, He's going to tell him, go see Aaron's guy. He's the man that's going to fix you up. And he's right because that guy knows them tournaments are going on, and he's going to take care of you because he wants you to tell the next guy that has trouble and the guy after that and the guy after that. Yeah, and they got, they've got they got a yard full of boats uh, being, <coughs> being waited to be worked on. And during those few days, they start working on all of the boats that are sitting out there and taking care of the tournament guys that are uh, coming in town. To, to boost their economy and you know that's that's a great thing they do when they do that mm -hmm. oh, see that's a, my the guy I go to up here in Des Moines um, heck I mean he, he's a good guy I mean he's got to work out a deal to where you know if, if something breaks down on my boat and I got a tournament in a week you know as long as we've got it worked out as long as I pay cash and he'll give me a certain percentage off and he'll get me in the door and out there as fast as you know as fast as I can you know, before everybody else, and I, I really appreciate that. And and our our deal is, you know, I just tell everybody whoever has boat problems about him, and you know, and I'm, it's a pretty good deal we got worked out. <laughs> yeah, I like it anyway. That's that's so, what uh, I've done with everybody that that you know. When there's a lot of catfish tournaments from Quincy, Illinois, to Burlington, and even way further up up there, but Mike Bean. Uh, like it's like we was talking while ago. If you got a problem and you can't get any, Mike will take care of you. He, yep. it, it, as busy as he is, he will take a tournament guy in and get him fixed. And it's not just Mike; it's a lot of others. But 
he sticks in my mind because he took care of me when he didn't have to, you know. Yep. And uh, he he sponsored some tournaments, and he's a great asset to the sport of catfishing. So, uh, you know, you know that kind of guy is a guy you want to be to be uh, tied in with. And Aaron Wheatley says Tyler Boats is his guy, and Jim Tyler is the man. And I I'm assured that that is correct information. Oh yeah, old wild man Wheatley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, Phil, on your uh, your electronics and all that, you got your boat set up, or do you plan on making any changes here pretty soon on uh, any kind of electronics or anything you got going on? Well, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting question. <laughs> I uh, I've been trying to get uh, upgraded the last probably a couple of years, but uh, somebody's been putting a hold on me, so uh, <laughs> it's. I'm still working on that. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I got, uh, I do, I do want the 12 inch Lorance, but I, I just, you know, personally, I don't see the use for it right now. I got the eight inch, you know, it's got the down imaging side. It's a, it's a, it's a LS or well, LSS one. But uh, it, it does good. I want to end up taking that to the back of the boat and then just use it for down down scan and then uh, probably some my mappings. That way I can I don't have to look back at, you know all the time and then maybe put like a <coughs> I've been looking at those Lawrence I think they're seven inches. But they're the real long wide ones. I've been thinking about probably mounting one of those up and uh, and uh, I'd have to give old Vince Nadowski to give, give it a call and see what he can do for me. So <laughs> just having to – wife hasn't said uh, for the go-ahead for that one. So <laughs> I'm working on it, though. <laughs> oh, can't hear you, Chuck. I was wanting to get the uh, H – HDS 12 Gen 2 stuff, you know, they it was going on sale for 18.99 with LSS 2 transducers and stuff, and you know, I decided I was wanting to get a couple other things except just a unit. So I decided I bought from Vince, and you know, he he, you know, he I I just talked to him. He says, "What do you want to do?" I told him what I wanted to do for a unit and. You know that I was having trouble seeing the seven-inch screen, and that had always been trouble for me because I, I really need to be wearing glasses. But uh, you know, in the boat, con I don't get along with contacts one bit, and I just needed a bigger screen. And mm -hmm. the way Higlitz came in with these lower prices and you know, offered a ten-inch screen, uh, you know, in, in my price range, man, it just it was just right at the right time. And I've been using that seven-inch screen for five years, and you know, been dealing with it because I hadn't had the money, but you know, it's upgrade time, and I'm gonna link them together and um, you know, use the seven-inch screen for my GPS and you know, full screen with the other one or whatever. So oh, yeah. um, that that's that's my upgrade, you know, over this uh, five-year period. <laughs> okay. But, um, oh, it's. I'm I'm right there with you, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm the type of guy. If I buy something, I'm gonna I'm gonna use it until, uh, you know, it it feels like ancient. 
I mean, mm -hmm. so, you know, that 898, it served its purpose, you know, and it was, you know, it was like $1,300 when I bought it now. You know, they're on the uh, bass boat forums, they're going for about $400, you know, the whole combo that somebody took off their boat with, you know, two or 300 hours. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, Cabela's had the 999s on sale for 599 and that just tells you how much, yeah, it was the 899s they had on sale for 599 So the Helix has just drove them prices down to, you know, nothing on on the uh, resale of these other units. So guys that really can't afford anything, if they if they will want to buy a used one, now's the time to buy because these guys are wanting this new technology. And I've seen 1198s and 1199s going for seven and eight hundred dollars on the uh, on the bass boat forums. I don't uh, know if you could if you could run into some good deals, that's where it's at seems to be right now. Friends with a lot of bass guys lately for some reason, but I mean it's good because you know I've learned a lot from them guys as well as far as them trading their units out. How I learned something the other day is uh, a guy said every year he checks his uh, the bolts that mount the motor to the transom because he had one go loose and he's going down the road and all of a sudden his motor pops off the back of the boat. Whoa. Yeah, and and I never I never even thought to even check that. And I went back there and sure enough I had one I had one bolt that was loose. Wow. And I thought, well that's that's something to check too, you know. Yeah, you every know that, year. So mine's Teflon threaded and I need to go check them bad boys out. Yep. Uh, <laughs> You said that you had oxygen on your uh, live well? Yes. Is that something that you did for a winter project after you got your boat, or did it come on your boat? Uh, it's, my, my boat is strictly a pleasure, you know, it, I call it, it's, it's a pontoon boat on crack. Right. Because <laughs> it's, got, it's got the bench seats, it's got tons of storage, and, and I mean, but it's got 60-gallon live well on it, and... It's. I was kind of hinting. I've been wanting the oxygen, and, and finally purchased that keep alive system. And all that, all I got was the the, the bubble oxygenator, and then a, the the tank, and then the tubing, and the uh, uh, what do you call it? One of the regulators. Yeah, one of the regulators. And I tell you what, it went from. Every fish I'd put in my live well, they were throwing up in there, and when I'd pull them out, they looked all beat up, to now you open up the door in the live well, and they look like they're sleeping in there, and they're just so calm, and I tell you, you go to pull them out, and then it's, they just beat the hell out of you. <laughs> oh, yeah, so. that's, uh, that's something I was wanting to check into doing. Um you know, did, you did that for a winter project. Uh, yep. So that that's something that guys could, uh, you know, look into to get get their stuff ready for this upcoming year. Is an, an oxygen system that we can really. Chuck must be having connection problems down there. One of the things, Phil, that I know about oxygen tanks is that. Um, you know, we run one a lot of times, and, and uh, people think that it's really expensive to do. Well, 
you don't have to run medical oxygen. You can regular, run regular oxygen just like you do on a acetylene torch set, and they work just as well. And, and you don't put much oxygen to them. People, for some reason, think you need to run a whole bunch of oxygen. But basically, uh, all I ever do is the lowest setting that it's on is more than enough. There's no sense of cranking them up and using a bunch of oxygen. The, the reason my oxygen tanks are always empty is because I forget to turn the damn things off, and they just run out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, I, I use mine. I, I make mine. I got all mine interchangeable. That way I can take it out of the boat real easy. And a lot of times, like, we have tournaments here in Iowa, you know, it's either Chubbs or Shad is your bait. Like, I'll go I'll go to my bait shop, and I'll, I'll get three or four dozen Chubbs, and I'll put them in a, you know, it's about a, about a 75-quart cooler, and I'll throw that oxygen, that, that oxygen tablet in there, and hell, my chubs, I can have them for two or three weeks, and not not a one would die. Have you and, ever been up to the Cats Incredible tournament up in uh, North or uh, Grand Forks? I haven't, but I've I've fished up there before. And, well, and there's a there's a big Cabela store. I believe it's a Cabela store that's right there beside the boat ramp where they launched them out of there, and they got huge suckers in there. I mean, they're the oh, biggest yeah. biggest suckers you ever seen. And, and when you go in there and purchase those things, and when we was up there, they was very reasonable on their bait and stuff. They was trying to uh, get people in, in to sell them stuff, of course, and, and they was very reasonable on their live bait. And they injected oxygen into rubber, or plastic bags and then sealed the top of them with the water, the oxygen, and the fish in them. And we never lost a fish the whole time we was up there. Oxygen's a great thing. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it may cost you right off the bat a, a little bit of money, but, I mean, in the long run, it, they're cheap to fill up. Like, I can go take my little bottle, fill it up, 25 bucks, and that'll. I'm still in the same bottle that I was when I first bought the system. And right. that was that was three years ago. So, I mean, yeah, if you, if you don't forget to shut it off, it'll last forever. Yeah, Just a little yep. wanted to add that smaller bubbles, the better, and that's correct. Any kind of diffuser yep. that you got, that'll the smallest bubble that you can possibly get in there, the better off you are. Uh, and that just, uh, it, it's a great thing. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's so good for the fish. And, and uh, like I say, if you get one that's wore out, uh, when you go to take it out of way and it won't be, and, and I know a lot of the guys like Brad Kilpatrick and Alex Nagy and some of these guys that are uh, using storage tanks at the tournaments, when they put them in, they put a little bit of oxygen in them tanks and and uh, they're ready to roll when that tournament's over and they're releasing them fish back to the to the rivers. Them, them fish are, are a handful again, so uh, it, it's a great thing for, for preserving the fish for the sport. Oh yeah. Are you, you back with us now, Chuck? Oh yeah, my dog took my whole computer and everything out. <laughs> <laughs> Good dog. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. Stuff flipping everywhere. <laughs> plus I got plus I got a mine in mind where my diffuser is. I've got a I've got a pump, just a cheap pump that I bought from uh, Menards up here. And uh, it's just a recirculator pump that I've I've actually zip tied above that diffuser, or when I turn that baby on, like if we go and I'll use it for if we if we do any kind of traveling, you know, trailering with fish, I'll hook that pump up to my uh, to my batteries, and that way that way it creates current in the water plus it, it 
spreads those bubbles out throughout the whole tank. That way, you know, another reason they, they beat the hell out of you when you get to uh, when, right. when we're when we're there for that winter blues tournament. I mean, granted, we only caught fish, two fish during that tournament, but the one was 53 pounds. I mean, it, it made me feel good when they got done weighing him in. They didn't put him in the holding tank because he was so lively, and they knew he'd be okay just turning loose. So, I mean, that, that made me feel good. That's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, Scott Woody wanted to know uh, what size oxygen bottle that you used, and uh, another guy wanted to know uh, how long they last, and, and how long did you say you'd had your, your tank in your boat? I've had in there... I think two and a half years, and not and filled. No, I haven't filled it. I filled it once, and I mean, like like you, I use the lowest setting. Yeah, and I mean, it's if if I my rule of thumb is if I get anything over forty pounds in my boat, that's with one fish. That's with five fish. It doesn't matter. I turn the oxygen on lowest level, and just and just let it run the whole time. The fish are in there. Just my my biggest. My biggest fear is is killing a fish, and I haven't done it yet, and I, I don't want to start because I mean that would just to kill any to kill any like monster fish that would just that I I I'd, I'd really seriously think about quitting because I don't know if I could take killing yeah. a big fish. Or no, I understand. So. You know what size bottle do you have? Oh gosh, it's not a great big one, is it? No, it's just I think it's. They sell three sizes on bottom dwellers, don't they? Yeah, I think so. And I think I think it's the the middle one, the medium so size you, one. So you've got to keep a live bottle, keep a live. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and, and you know those are fine and they're great. They're a great product, but you could just go down and get one from your local oxygen uh, yeah. welding supply. You know, is it just as yep. easy? But but those bottles that they're there, you own it. You can get it filled any place. If you buy yeah. one of those, that that's the key to that. You don't have a lease or nothing like that. And while I'm on the subject, I'm not cutting you off, Chuck. Don't misunderstand me. Jason Mathena says he likes the oxygen. He can breathe it very well without it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we only get Jason in the chat once in a while, so we got to cut him in whenever we get a shot. No, they're not. I mean that. I mean, a lot of it's. I'd say the the main part is is I I just save. I save, save, save money any which way I can. A lot of people think, oh, you got a big boat, you got money. Well, no, that's not the case. You know, I still I work I work I work a bunch of hours, and I, I save anything I can. Just like bagging ice. You know, we we moved to this new house, and hell, we got a we got a big refrigerator with an ice machine well I've got three deep freezes in the basement so I'm going to use them because to run one of them deep freezes is going to cost me I think it's like 40 something dollars a year well hell I just back yeah I bag up all my ice in the winter time and I fill that deep deep freeze that way you know it's not costing me six six to eight dollars for you know a bag of ice whenever I go you know try to go fishing hell I can just pull that deep freeze and that'll Every little bit counts, you know. So. Yep. But. Well, it's like me freezing gallon milk jugs. You know, I, I freeze them all the time, and uh, they work out really good. Where do you mount your oxygen tank? 
Uh, it is. It is underneath uh, my passenger side. I don't know if you want to call them. They're not really captain's chairs. They're the bench seats. And uh, what I did is I just I got two huge four-inch clamps, and I just I melted the clamps to the inside of that that storage, and I just I put rubbers over the uh, real thick rubbers over the screws. That way, and then I, I put, uh, wherever I put the clamps at, I, I took uh, electrical tape and ran around that bottle so that clamp's not digging in that bottle. And uh, just tighten them down, and then she's all sitting there, and I just, all I did is I just drilled through my my boat to the live well and just ran the clear hosing. So, I mean, nothing special. <laughs> it works yeah. for me, so. <laughs> my stand R's up and, and just wire tight to, to the base yep. at the bottom and then wire tight to the, uh, uh, in that tracker, I wire tight to the uh, rod rack and it don't ever go anywhere. Yeah. Okay. But I'd say that's that's probably a big, I, I, if I'd say any kind of investment on a boat, that oxygen would be one of them. So. Oh, I, I agree there. It, it's something that that uh, people that, that are Conservation-minded about saving fish, uh, oxygen is probably uh, one of the best investments that I can think of to preserve the quality of the breeding size fish. Wouldn't you say, Chuck? Yes. Um, yeah, that's something that you know I'm working on uh, getting together next. First, I got to figure out a, a good layout in the boat for my new partner. Um, he's got some limitations. And um, you know he's he can work around them really well. I'm just going to help him out um, a little bit better working around them because he's uh, the way I can barely get around my boat is you know as it is. So I I've got to do something with with my live well set up, and then after I get that done, for sure oxygen's next for me. Okay. Heck yeah, you'll love it, man. Yeah, you, you, well, I say you'll love it. You might not love it when you pull that monster out of that live well. He slaps you upside the head that tail. But everybody else is going to love that. <laughs> oh yeah, that I mean, that right there would you know not having to worry about your fish through the tournament where you can actually keep fishing instead of babysitting, because I've actually caught fish right off the bat, um, you know, and you just feel like you're babysitting the rest of the day. Um, instead of instead of concentrating on culling those fish, catching something bigger, uh, you're so worried about keeping what you got healthy, you know. And if you can get those oxygens, you know, and, and stuff like that hooked up, you know, it eases your mind a little bit. You can keep fishing all day, stay in the comp competitive mind instead of babysitting mode. And you know, maybe you can cull those fish many times instead of just babysitting the ones you got. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Lyle, you got any winter uh, projects that you've got done or you fixing to work on before you get kicked off here? Well, reels and stuff, uh, you know, this is a great time to, to do maintenance on all your rods and clean them up and uh, put a coat of wax on them, which kind of keeps the yuck from sticking to them for a while. Of course, I do that two or three times a year. Uh, what kind of wax do you use, Lyle? What I use is turtle wax high gloss. 
Uh, yep, that and Rain Dance. Whichever, if one of them's on sale, I'll buy either one of them. I like the Turtle Wax. It seems to be a harder wax. I don't know if it is or not. It may just be me, but that's the stuff that I use uh, for years. Uh, is it a paste or is it like a yeah, liquid hardener? I've used them both. I prefer the paste better, and and uh, I, it's just my my own opinion, but. Uh, both of those go on very well, and they come off very easy. Now, it's not like the old days when we was kids, and I know, Phil, you remember, so do you, Chuck. You go out in the sun, and you wax your car, and you couldn't hardly get that crap off of there. Well, uh, these days when you're doing fishing equipment, whether it be your reel or your rod or whatever it is, you, uh, you're you in a controlled environment most of the time in a garage or a house or something. That sun ain't beating down on you, burning it into the mm -hmm. finish on them, so they're... Uh, a lot easier to, to take on and off and, and just scrub them up a little bit. You won't get all of it off, but you can make them look pretty good. And it works the same on fishing reels, you know. Uh, we've got some some uh, 6,500 Abu Garcias that, you know, other than oil in them and a little grease once in a while, new line on them. Uh, you put a paw in one once in a while, maybe some uh, bearing will go out every once in a while, but you just take that wax and you go over the sides of them, and it won't make the the sun bleach part of the the paint come off, come back, but it'll make them look pretty and shiny and new. And uh, you know, when you pull into a place, everybody thinks that uh, you got new equipment. Really, it's the same stuff you've had for years and years <laughs> and years. So, uh, but yeah, you know, and and I know uh, Billy Ray. A lot of you guys follow Dwayne on on uh, Facebook. Uh, he cleaned up his, his cork handles, and, and he may have done some for Jason uh, Athena here a while back, but he had pictures on there, and he got some stuff, and I keep it here. I've, I've been using it for about a year. Um, uh, it's called uh, Cork Saver, I believe is the name of it, and, and if you take and lightly sand your cork stuff, and put this stuff on there and only put one coat on because it'll only sink in so far and if you put more coats on it's just going to run off uh, but it will uh, all cork has filling in it that's how you keep it from having big old holes and stuff in it sometimes you the, the holes in the corks not big enough it's worth putting filler in it and other times it is but you put that stuff on there and it kind of holds that in place and it makes them easier to clean up when you get scales and guts and slime and stuff on them so that's a, that's a very good product to use too but uh, I never use anything much harsher than uh, dish soap and, and warm water uh, sometimes a nylon brush uh, never anything no wire brushes or anything and you can go over your your uh, cord or your cork or uh, foam grips and stuff and it won't hurt it and uh, at uh, the the cork though, a lot of times you'll need some to light sand it and then put some of that sealer on it, and uh, you'll be happy with that. But now's the time, you know, if if they need oil or grease or uh, new line, like Phil said, that it's the time to do it. And you know, I, I'm not a guy that goes out and sharpens hooks. You know, I know a lot of guys they keep a file in and and they sharpen hooks uh, all the time. Uh, if my hooks dull. It's done its job. I'm pitching her out and I'm putting a new one on. I, you know, even if it's a three or four dollar hook, I, you know, once it gets done. Now I do, I do take all my hooks out of the package, and a lot of times I'm tying up rigs. And in the winter time, is a perfect time to tie rigs up, and 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 I put them in the small 
uh, baggies. Uh, they're not sandwich size. They're the next size smaller, and I don't remember what they call them. But snack I'll tie bag. a rig. Snack bags. Yeah, snack bag. And yeah. I'll put them yep. in there and seal them up. And then I put them in one of them folders, two or three of them in each leaf of a folder, and I do eights and tens and whatever size I want to use. And, of course, I use the big river hooks for drifting, back mounting, and, and they'll go in a different section. But you can get all that stuff ready right now, and, and you don't have to have tons of it done because invariably uh, it won't be the rig you want to use when you get on the water. But, it, you know, if you're all broke off and you need to get one tied on right quick, you can do it. Everything's yep. good to go. Another good thing to do in the wintertime, and I don't know if you guys do it or not, but if you make your sinkers, um, now's the time. You know, get get you a well-ventilated place, find you some bulk lead or wheel weights or whatever like that, and and knock that stuff out. I, I don't know. You do you make your own lead, uh, Phil? Yeah. Yep. We uh, we were fortunate. My brother lays flooring for a living. Well, he was laying flooring in the hospital in Iowa City, and they happened to be redoing the hospital. <laughs> well, I guess the processing place in Iowa City didn't take scrap lead so they were just going to throw it away and uh, next thing you know here here come my brother with you know he he, he brought back five loads and each load had probably four or five hundred pounds of lead with it so we we got we got lead for life <laughs> That's cool. That's he, cool. he keeps on he keeps on wanting to sell it, and I'm like, dude, we, we're not selling nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you so can't replace it. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you but, can't replace it. Uh, and you're, you're, you're never, you're never going to get retail costs out of lead, you know, selling online or nothing like that. So, uh, you know, he, well, he, he saw a couple bait shops where, you know, a 16-ounce weight was going for like, you know, three or four bucks. And I said, you're not going to get that much out of that, you know. So I said, let's just. Just hold on to it. Wait till that lead gets up there like gold prices, and we'll think about selling it. <laughs> you know, it used to be that you could go get lead about any time from anybody, especially at old tire shops. They'd have buckets full of it sitting around, and when they ended up putting lead on the precious metal list, that changed things dramatically. Yep. Uh, now, I still have a couple of contacts where I can get some, uh, but... You know, in, instead of being able to, to make a drive to town and hit two or three tire shops and get all you wanted for the summer, them days are kind of gone, and you're probably going to have to pay for it now, which is okay. I, I really wouldn't mind doing that, I, I, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's uh, – sometimes it may not be feasible to – make sinkers, you might be able, if you're not making a ton of them or you're not planning on losing a bunch of them, it might be as easy and as, as what you'd be well off to get a hold of some of these lead suppliers and, and just buy them for them. But where I fish, and you're you're very familiar with what we do, uh, 20 and 24 ounce sinkers is not uncommon where we fish. And, and you know, Phil, one of the things that gets me is, is people think they, they've got areas they got a lot of current. Right? And so they get to where we're at. They ain't no. seen current, have they? <laughs> no. You know, and, no, they haven't. You know, they're, I read a post today, a guy said, we got a lot of current, a 6, 8, 10 ounce weight. I said, shit, we yeah. don't, we're using 24 ounces and a half a skipjack, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, I, but, then, you I, know, unless you've been there, you don't get it, you know. I remember one time last year we were fishing out of a, it was a blowout that uh, I think they made it for Sturgeon up the Missouri right. River. Right. And we actually went up in behind that blowout and, I mean, the speedometer on the boat was showing we were going 10 miles an hour. 
because it was it was going through there so fast, and it took 24 <laughs> ounces of weight just to get it down a little bit past the boat, and yeah. it was just because we seen one fish down and you there wanted the that fish. That Yes, yeah. because we knew whatever it was, it was big. <laughs> but well, you know, the, the Mississippi, especially the Missouri, and and. That I understand that they're not going to redo any of the dikes. They'll eventually blow out. This is going to get really wild, woolly. But uh, a lot of times, especially in the spring when the water's up a little bit, uh, I'll, I'll target a spot that I want to fish, and maybe it's off the end of a wing dike, or maybe it's on the inside where one of the blowholes are at, and there's a tree down there. And you really got to watch it because you'll throw it over there to where you think it's going to go down. And by the time it hits bottom, it's way, way past oh, that. Yeah. With 24 ounces of weight, people say, oh, there ain't no weight. Well, that current will take that 24 ounces of weight, and it is zinging on down past whatever you're trying to do. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. On, like I say, and most people don't understand it and, and until you fish them kind of waters with the kind of current that we do. And I know you get it up there, too. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's just unbelievable for a lot of people to realize the current that we got, and, and I love the current. I mean, the more there is, the better, and, and, and I'll tell you, them blues... They don't care how much current you got. Yeah. They the like more it. The more the better. It seems That's, like it. If they get tired, they'll go in a spot and rest for a little bit, and they'll go right back out there to it. Yep. You know, so. But, yeah, the sinker's baking and, and cleaning up your stuff and getting it ready. New line, I can't stress how important new line is for people to to, to get around. I've got so, uh, big spools of braid and, and uh, we of course, we, get, we buy the uh, mono that way to make leaders out of, too, and uh, mm -hmm. Now I was going to tell you, I don't sharpen hooks, but when I'm making these leaders up and stuff, and I open a package of hooks, I'll take every one of them and make sure that every one of them is sharp at that time. Yep. You know, it, and they might be a burr on it, or they might it not might not be sharp as I want it to be, and I might hit it with a file that I use on guides or something. Uh, to, to make sure it's where I want it, but rarely, rarely you have to do anything to them, but um, that's the time to do all that stuff. Go through your tackle boxes. If you use float corks, see if you got the right one, see if you got enough of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, sinker slides. Whole, go, uh, and, and, well, the balloons work good, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm anxious to try that. I, you know, I want to try that this year. I haven't done that. Uh, Larry Muse and Steve Douglas done a video mm -hmm. on the dragon tail thing that Larry designed here uh, some time back. Very good video. Now is the perfect time to be getting you some old shot out of an old bag or something for you guys who used to reload shotgun shells and uh, make you some of them. I think that's a great tool. I really do. It's a it's an awesome thing. Here's something that I that I done uh, not very long ago actually. Uh, I got the uh, the nets, the cast nets out of my boat, and I laid them out on the yard and went through and made sure all the repairs was made to those cast nets. Those babies are high, and if you use them very much, you're going to snag a hole in them once in a while. Sometimes they're little bitty holes. Sometimes they're great big holes. If they're not worth fixing, pull the lead off of them, melt that up, and make your shakers. If they are... Uh, if they're small holes, usually mine end up tearing around the, the lead line. And that's a very just get you some monofilament and just tie it down to that lead line and go ahead and use them up. I mean, till they're non-repairable because them things cost so much money. You need to use them all you want. I I just uh, we go through three or four a year, and I'm sure you guys do too. 
I, I used to, but now it's hell with Bass Pro, and they got their deal now to where you can you can buy a, you know, up, up here in Iowa, it's a five-foot net, you know, is the biggest you yeah. can have. So up here, you know, I go to Bass Pro, buy a five-foot net, and, you know, how, how Bass Pro sets up to where you could buy a, a $15 two-year warranty for that net. Well, anybody knows that a net's not going to last you two years. No. <laughs> so, you know, heck, you get it taught. All you got to do is bring back the box and a piece of the net. It could be the actual black rope that comes with the net. It could be some of the net, anything. All you got to do is bring it back and how they got it set up to where all you got to do is buy another two-year warranty and you basically get a free net for 15 bucks. Wow. That's a heck of a deal. I've I didn't been, know anybody done that. Yep, I've Where been doing that for. What's that? Bass Pro Shop. Yes, sir. Yep, and I actually I learned that from uh, Johnny Coleman. So. Ooh, he, cool. He told me uh, about that, and I, I tell you what, that that's saved me quite a bit of money too. Well, heck so. yeah! You know, and we all destroy those nets, and and I'll tell you something that well, most people may or may not know. Uh, when I destroy a net, and I do destroy them, I take and cut the line off of them because that's a long line that's got a hook on the end of it, and that's what I use on drift socks and stuff. Uh, works yep. out really good. It's got the lines on them and everything, and uh, works out really good. Jason Mathena just dropped a note in here, guys, not to interrupt this, that he has been told that Maple Island will not be open any time in the next two years. And Maple Island... Uh, is a boat ramp right below the Alton Dam, the Melvin Price Dam, uh, just above St. Louis. I, I hadn't heard that. Thank you, Jason, for that. That'd, that'd be uh, uh, something. Let's see. I told her I had, don't have the money to bulls O's off the butt off the ramp. Well, that may or may yeah. not be true then, but uh, you know, it's I know that it's a mess down there. Columbia Bottoms cool. is terrible. We're all bumming about that because I think everybody's wanting to get down there and get into some fish. Of course, I bet Jackson's been into them. I know Jason's been fishing, but oh, yeah. uh, them guys, they just they got it made down there in the shade. They don't even realize how good they get. Well, they do, too, because they rub it in all the time. Oh, I, I just got a call from Athena a couple weeks ago just <laughs> bragging up the storm. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and me, uh, me up here, we're, we got nothing but hard water up here, so it's like, man... <laughs> well, you know, so. I, Justin Wolf is done with um, with duck season now, and, and now I know that that him and Jackson they've been giving them ducks a fit all winter. So now it'd be a good time in their spare time to go down there with shovel and clean off all them ramps, for so we That's all got a place to get in and out. That is a perfect idea. You know, I don't think you're gonna get Jackson to do it. I'm nope. not very certain you get Justin Wolf to do it, but, but it's worth a shot. Jackson's going to be sitting at the top of the ramp with a cooler in his, in his lawn chair. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're right about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Phil, it's been a, it's been really fun having you on tonight, and, and we appreciate you coming in. I know you had a wonderful time in Hawaii, and, and that would be a great vacation. I'm, I'm kind of kind of envious, but after you told me some of the prices and stuff down there, I'm not really that envious. Yeah, yeah, it uh I looked at my wife and I said, you know, this is like, this is quite a few trips to Wheeler. You realize that, right? <laughs> so, she, she goes, I know, I know. So, 
Well, but, you know, it is, but that, that's a, probably a once-in-a-lifetime trip. For you, it may be more than once-in-a-lifetime, but if I was going to go down there, it would only be once. I'm quite sure. Uh, what, did, what did you tell me a bag of potato chips cost down there, just a regular old bag? Seven bucks. Seven bucks, yeah. Seven dollars for a bag of potato chips. And Three dollars in gas. A, a mixed, mixed drink, drink was how much? It's like 14, 15 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. I, do, do they have a lot of drunks running around down there? Uh no, actually there was a, there's there's a whole there's a whole lot of gold diggers though I tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's everywhere though. That's that's yeah the the prices you was talking about before the show that's that's a little testy for the average old boy but uh, oh. if you're only going to do it on one time or two times for a vacation it'd be worth it but uh, I, I honest to God don't know how them people live down there I mean they oh, pay them but, kind of prices. We we talked to some people that they were there for three weeks. Oh man! And I mean, these these people were doctors and lawyers and right. You know, Higher here I am. Yeah, little little old me. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, well, reason, then the reason the reason we went is my father-in-law runs a shop, and what they had they had a buyback program to where if they buy so many parts, you know, they get points for buying so many parts. So then that went towards the trip. That's awesome. So basically. Yeah, and then we we had to pay for a flight, and then uh, you know all the excursions and stuff, which was still pretty expensive. But I mean, like like you said, it only we we looked at it this way. You know, how many times we're we going to go to Hawaii? Probably this is probably yeah. going to be the only one. So. <laughs> well, you know, we had uh, I used to go to Colorado and elk hunt pretty regularly, and uh, uh, one of the things you you know you always stop and. Before you go over the Continental Divide, before you go over the Eisenhower Tunnel, you want to make sure you have an extra gallon of antifreeze, extra quart of oil. You know, you don't know what's going to happen when you get over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember very distinctly, you could buy a gallon of antifreeze before you went up that mountain for like two thirty-five, and it was twelve bucks when you got to on the other side. But anything oh, yeah. they had to take over the mountains, it cost you triple. And gas was the same way. You know, you always filled up before you went up there. You didn't want to be filling up while you was up there. And uh, that's, it's, it's, that's just like crossing that big water going to Hawaii. Once once it crosses that water, they got to pay for what it takes to get it over there. Oh, well, I mean, everybody over there is, you know, they, they they can afford to go over there. So, I mean. That's right. With with me, I was just, I just sat back and enjoyed the show, you know, because that's all oh, it was. Yeah, they're all they're all putting on a big show for each other. Yep. Yeah, uh, just sat back and relaxed and just laughed about the whole ordeal. <laughs> yeah, give me one of them six dollar beers and I'll be happy as can be. You, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Chuck, you got any closing statements tonight? No, I'm good tonight. When is the uh, Cabela's tournament down your way? Seventeenth uh, of March. And oh, Mr. Cabela's. When is uh, when is um, uh, Alabama Catfish Trails tournament down there? The tw I think it's the weekend before. It's the twelfth. Man, that would be a good pre-fishing yeah. tournament for the guys going to fish that Cabela tournament. Yeah, yeah, really I, would, would. I could just move down there. <laughs> You, I think you and me have talked about that, haven't we? Oh, yes, we have. 
Phil, at this time, you know, we always give everybody at the end of the show a chance to talk about any sponsors or anybody they want to thank or that's helped them along the way or anywhere. Feel free to take all the time you need to do that right now. We really appreciate you visiting with us tonight. Okay. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me. And I mean, it's just what you guys are doing for, you know, the sport and getting everything out there. Is, I appreciate that a lot because, I mean, it helps me, it's helped me out. You know, watching your guys' show. I haven't been on the chat rooms all a lot lately because we've got softball and basketball practice, and so I'm usually watching your guys' show on TV, smart TV. You know, at nine ten o'clock at night. So, but uh, as, I mean, as far as people thinking, you know, my wife. I mean, she goes to a lot of tournaments with me, and uh, she, you know, she helps out quite a bit. You know, if I do go out with my, you know, with Josh or you know, sometimes my brother, she helps out with kids and. And I really appreciate that we're doing that. Um, uh, as far as sponsors go, uh, Huck Performance Fishing. Uh, was, I, like you said, Chuck, earlier, I looked outside the box and thought I'd give it a shot, and uh, they picked us up as a sponsor. And I mean, I tell you what, I was at, well, I was in Hawaii wearing the long sleeve shirts, 80 degrees, and I wasn't sweating at all. And it's just because it's it, the stuff that it, it works because it keeps your body cool. Plus it wicks the moisture from your body that, you know, all sweat and everything, but, uh, awesome. Uh, tangled catfish rods. Um, can't say enough about those guys. You know, they, they picked me up, picked us up this year. Um, I, I mean, just the rods are unbelievable. I, I used to be a surge guy and ever since I switched to them, they're just sensitive, light to the tip and, uh, and then, of course, my father-in-law and my wife, Logan Automotive, you know, they, they make sure I get to and from these tournaments, you know, not only my boat trailer, my boat, and my car. Um, like you say, preventative maintenance is, is a huge deal, is a huge deal as far as flushing transmissions. And, I mean, they've they've made sure I can go, you know, we've been, lately we've been averaging 10,000 miles a, a year just doing tournament fishing. So, I mean, they've played a big part in this so but, uh, that's uh that's about all I got well that's awesome you know and 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 I know that I forget to do this and Chuck does too but probably not as much as me but uh, these women uh, that let us do what we like to do so much uh, oh. you can't say enough about them for doing it I am very fortunate and and, and both of you guys are too I know you are uh, mm -hmm. that these, these women let us fish and go with us. Cindy fishes almost every tournament with me, and Leanne used to fish a lot with Chuck, and I know she has some back issues right now, and I've seen pictures of you and your wife out fishing. I uh, hope to get to meet her sometime. I've not made that yet, but uh, one of these days it's going to happen. But these women uh, give us a world of opportunity to do something we all love, and, and we we need to make sure they understand how important it is to be able to do that, you know, and oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's just awesome. Um, Alex Nagy has sent me a message and says that he can't post in the chat, which it was probably full. I think 50 is our limit. Um, Andy Tapmeyer with the Department of Conservation has accepted the application for the March 5th cat, uh, Twisted Cat Outdoor Tournament at Sioux Passage. Bins, we can't use the um, uh, Columbia Bottoms ramp 
And for those who don't know, now I've never been to this ramp. I, I know it can't be very hard to find. And if you keep paying attention to the Catfish Weekly or the well, I'm sure it'll be on Catfish Weekly too, but on Twisted Cat Outdoors, Alex will post it up here before long. Uh, the Sioux Passage ramp is right uh, above uh, Columbia Bottoms on the Missouri River. Uh, I think it's it, whenever you guys go up and down the Missouri River, you see that ramp over there on the left-hand side, and that's that's the ramp. I understand they have a huge parking lot, and I think you have to. I think you and I was talking about this earlier, Phil. You have to go through a uh, park or something to get to it. Yeah. I've never used it, but where it looks like we're going to get to have the tournament down there, we're all kind of concerned about that. So make sure that you guys get in line, uh, uh, and Alex will get all that information up for us as soon as it's everything finalized. And I'm sure that he'll get us a little map or something, and uh, that'll be great to get that tournament in. I know everybody's wanting to get out, and if we can get some mm -hmm. some decent weather I think that the river is probably pretty fishable I haven't been down there you know for quite some time but uh, I think it'll it'll be really good uh, Phil again thank you for joining us tonight I have a couple other things next week the 15th of February Doc Lang is going to be on a show with us I mean uh, that's going to be one of the great shows not that the rest of them haven't been great, but Doc Lang is kind of everybody's hero. I mean, he's had a website up that's taught most of us a lot of stuff about preparing boats and getting ready to fish tournaments and stuff like that, so it'll be really good. The 22nd, Morgan Blake will be on the show talking about catching flatheads from out west. That ought to be another great show. We've got some other stuff lined out, and I want to touch on one thing here for just a minute. While we was on the subject about the women helping us out, and it's not just women. There's women that fish that have guys that support them in the sport too. You know, and and um, we are putting together a show. Uh, Joyce Muse will be on the show with us. Uh, Jamie Mathena will be on the show with us. Um, we got another one that I, I, I'm, I don't have that all wrote down yet, but we're going to have a show on uh, what spouses do to support their catfishermen. And I really think that some of these ladies and people will be uh, make a very interesting show because a lot of them go to the tournaments, they don't fish. And, and maybe they get out and they fish just pre-fishing or whatever, and that'll be great. Uh, but a lot of these people... A lot of these women, especially, don't even go to the tournaments. I can't. I'm. I've known Jason Mathena and Vicky for a long time, and I've been to a lot of tournaments there, and I've never met Jamie. Now I'm friends with her on Facebook, and we talk a lot. And she supports Jason and Vicky as more than anybody I know. And uh, she's a really swell lady. And this is going to be a great show. Uh, and we'll get to talking about their catfishing experiences. I'm not sure about Joyce, but I know Jamie's caught some giant blue cats with Jason down at St. Louis. Just absolutely monster. Some of them are bigger than she is. They look like in the pictures. So it, it's going to be a lot of fun to have that show up, and we'll try to get it set up in March. Uh, we've got some other stuff coming up, and either I'm not sure if it's the 15th or the 22nd, but uh, whatever day works for him, we'll take a few minutes and get Steve Douglas on here to get the final update for the Catfish Conference that's coming up. 
the 27th. You guys all get prepared for that. It's going to be a great time down there. There's going to be seminars and every kind of fishing rod and hook and line and whatever. If it's in the catfishing industry, somebody's going to have some of it down there, and I think it'll be a great show. Uh, anything else we need to talk about tonight, Chuck? No, that's about it. You know, we got the catfish conference coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, that's going to be something I'm really looking forward to. So, um, all the guys that can show up for that, um, they're going to be able to, you know, see all the stuff that's uh, being introduced into the markets and all, and be able to see everything firsthand. So, making these internet purchases won't be nearly as hard knowing what you're going to be getting in the mail when you send that check. Okay, I, I just got a message before we close out here. I got a message uh, on my Facebook messaging that says that uh, Illinois is run out of money to maintain the boat ramp, so uh, Maple Island may be closed. Uh, for pleasure boaters, everything, they don't want to interfere with bar traffic, so uh, that may very well be a fact. I, you know, I thought maybe he was kidding about it, but it looks to me like it may very well be the truth because they don't have the, the funding now to maintain the boat ramps and, and keep them cleared off and, and maintain to where they can be used uh, safely. So uh, bear that in mind, and let's hope that Missouri keeps all of our stuff upright and, and going and and get that that running. Uh, we got to be able to get in and out of them rivers. I mean, that's just all there is to it. There's too many people that use them, not just for catfishing, but for other other type of recreation and sports. And, and we got to make sure that that's all done. So, uh, unless you guys have something else, I think that about do it for tonight. No, well, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Thanks for being here, Phil. For Chuck Davidson, Phil Brown, I'm Lyle Stokes. We'll see you next week with Doc Lang. Good night, everybody.